you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were Rich Eisen. The second movie, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmeyer. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. It's Writers Week, Creators Week here on the Rich Eisen Podcast with most organized team activities out of the way. And we've got ourselves about a month to, as Colin Cowherd might say, tap dance (laughs) to get us to the training camp season of the National Football League. It's the Rich Eisen Podcast Writers Edition. And by that, I mean folks who have created some of the best movies and television shows that pop culture has had to offer in the last 20, 25 years, and they also happen to be sports fans and NFL fans. And on this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, who better to kick that concept off than Ron Shelton, the director and writer, creator of Bull Durham, White Men Can't Jump, Tin Cup, three sports movies that so many people have on their lips when they talk about their favorite sports movies. And with Bull Durham, when you ask somebody, what's your favorite sports movie? A large number of people say Bull Durham, period, end of story. Chris Brockman, are you that person? I am one of those people. You, Bull Durham is your favorite. Bull Durham, no doubt. I could probably quote that movie beginning to end. Chris Law? Bull Durham is definitely up there. It's, on it's the, up it's on there. The, it's on the Mount it's Rushmore up there. for me. It's up there. What is your, your favorite sports movie of all time? You're not going to like my answer. Is it Rudy? Um, Ru- Rudy is probably my favorite sports movie. Well, I mean, with, with, with Bull Durham, at least that is... Com- they just come out and say it's fiction. Rudy, Rudy, they just, you know, they just, they just, they just, they just mask it. He was offside. Rudy, they just mask it. Yeah. But you know so that good. story is fiction. <laughs> I know he tried out. I mean, it's based on, right? Yeah. Come on. Did, it's so good. Do you know how many people say he was not carried off in that movie? Yeah. At or, the end of that day. Joe Montana laughs, right? When they That he was not carried off. That the entire team was rooting for him. Do you know how many people say that that is not true? They were mocking him, some might say. Look, they also say that Michael Orr didn't know how to block in the blind side. So stuff stuff is embellished. Mm. You know, it's not not. Correct. I do come in, obviously, as you know, with, with a bias when it comes to Just Rudy. a slight, right? Uh, but you're Michigan also. Bias. But the makers of Rudy are the makers of my number one favorite. You're a Hoosiers guy. Hoosiers. That's right. true. Right. That's Hands a, down, that's number one for it's me. It's a very close second for me. Hands down. When I had, I, you know, a couple of years ago, the American movie channel, AMC, with the great Robert Osborne. I don't know if you watch AMC. There's a, um, a program on it where Robert Osborne has folks come on and talk about their favorite movies, and they, they become guest programmers. So they asked me to – I got three shots at favorite sports movie. And um, they had to have the ability to, to have it in their um, – Catalog. Okay, their catalog, correct. So um, uh, they asked – actually, it was four. I got four. You got four. So I, I – uh, my first one was Raging Bull. I suggested Ra- after Hoosiers. Yeah. I'm like, it's got to be Raging Bull, and they didn't. They couldn't pull that one off. So I didn't want to go football movies. 
because, you know, I'm a football guy. I'm a football guy. I wanted to go away from football movies, so I chose the four that were not football movies. I went Hoosiers. Then I went uh, uh, Raging Bull, but when I couldn't go there, I I substituted for Rocky. Even though you could make a case that that's not a sports movie, that's a love story. Well, if you could make that case then with a lot of... True. I know that. But I'm just saying, uh, clearly it's a sports movie, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's more of a love story than anything else. But Rocky is like a perfect little movie, man. So good. Okay. Um, then I went, I, went, I went baseball. I had to choose one baseball. Okay. And with all due respect to my guy today, Bull Durham, I, I, went, I went the natural. Yeah. I could have gone two with Costner, obviously. Could have went Field. Field, field of Dreams, dreams which <laughs> makes people cry. And Bull Durham, which makes people cry because it's so freaking funny. But I went the natural. Did you? I don't any, know why I did. I just did. Did at any point in time the Mighty Ducks come on no, no. to your top four? Never did. Never list. did. No. Never okay. did. And how dare you even ask me such a question? <laughs> you know, my old sports column back in Maine, I did a top ten sports movie column. Mighty Ducks I had on the list. Did you really? Do you know what number four was for me? I know it. Oh, I don't know it. I'm going to guess you're going to say Slapshot? Nope. Nope. Okay. I it's, don't know it's similar. It's similar. It's a golf movie. Uh, Caddyshack. Oh. Caddyshack, yeah, that's in my top five. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood. Sir. And I never slice. And I never slice. Oh, but it looks good on you. How about a fresco? Caliendo did a good Ted Knight. Ted Knight, yes, last week. Um, So, yeah, uh, but Bull Durham is, is, as you put it, said in the Mount Rushmore. Yep. No doubt. You know, because it's it's just based on Ron's life as a um, minor league with the Orioles. Orioles. And we're going to get that into that with him. I want to know uh, the entire backstory. And he's also, you know, from Southern California, which has been without a football team for quite some time. And I want to get his thoughts on that. But that's what I want to do: is get a bunch of guys in uh, who 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 have created stuff that you love, of, of our listeners have loved, and and uh, talk football with them. So uh, let's get to Ron Shelton right now, Mister Bull Durham. Could not be more pleased. An honor to have here on the Rich Eisen podcast a man who I've admired for uh, for a long time and one of the uh, one of the people who I've gotten to meet here since moving to Los Angeles. I could not be more happy to know. Good to see you, Ron Shelton. Hey, Rich, how are you? I'm uh, just happy to be here and hope I can help the ball club. <laughs> you can help the ball club. You certainly can. How many times have have you heard that people consider Bull Durham their favorite movie of all time, Ron? Um, a lot, and it's gratifying because you know. When we made it, we're just trying to not get fired and stay on schedule. Is that right? Yeah. Back in that day. You have no, that's basically all you ever do. It's like right. one play at a time in football, but you're just saying, make the days work, make the days work. I hope somebody laughs someday. Right. And and the, the whole concept that, it, you know, obviously it's been talked about, written about quite a bit, but uh, just for for this podcast audience, I'd love to start a little bit from square one based on, in many ways, your career as a minor leaguer trying to get through the Baltimore Orioles system back in the day. Well, yes, indeed. I, I, I went from the Appalachian League <laughs> right. to Rochester, New York, in the International League, which is AAA. So you you can't go more rungs without getting to Baltimore. Right. But, um, uh, yeah, I quit during the strike of 72, as a lot of minor leaguers did. There was no spring training, and the season didn't start, and we, we couldn't pay our rent. So right. that's what got me. That and the low and away slider got me out of business. <laughs> 
<laughs> you couldn't hit the low and away slider, huh? Well, I was starting to hit it when I was 25, but there was guys 22 that were hitting it. Being, and, uh, they were beginning to yeah. hit it. No doubt about it, man. And and the pieces came together in your mind from the end of your career till you were able to get into the, the Hollywood business? I mean, how did this all Years come later. I, I always hated sports movies. As a kid. And no kidding. Up, I hated them because they, I was always, my mother loved, uh, you know, uh, Pride of the Yankees and I just hated it. And they were always schmaltzy and they were always uh, sentimental in the wrong ways. And somebody always hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth to win the World Series or the three-pointer or the Hail Mary. And that wasn't life. That wasn't sports. Right. Um, you know, life and ends with a ground ball short, basically. Yeah, <laughs> a three-hopper, double yeah, play, six-four-three turn. Pop-up, foul, pop-up to first. Casey it, at the bat, right? So, yeah. So uh, I thought I was going to make a movie that at least I would like. It mm-hmm. was about the moments in between the big plays and the and the fact, you know, the season in Bull Durham, the movie starts after the season has started, and it ends after the, before the season's over, and you don't know what happened to the team. Right. And the two guys we're following aren't even on the team anymore. So. Mm-hmm. That was more sports as I knew it, even if I never met a Susan Sarandon in the minor leagues. You never did meet her, huh, in the minor leagues? Nobody that was quite like that. She was made up of a lot of other characters. Oh, she's a mosaic in she a certain is indeed, way. Yes. No, no kidding. Is there anybody you could give a shout out to right now? Oh, absolutely now, not. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, when you see a movie like North Dallas 40, then, I mean, then that, that's, that's what you're talking about. But, uh, I mean, that, that's a movie I like. That was an exception. That was a movies that started to say it's not about the big game. It's about the moments in between. Right. So yeah. then, so then what, what makes in your mind a good sports movie, Ron? It's about what happens in between the play, not the play. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, we have you guys <laughs> mm-hmm. to show us the plays over and over from more great angles. Um, but what was re- what's interesting to me is what happened in the huddle. I never get into the huddle. Right. What's happening in the locker room? What's happening on the bus to the ballpark? What's happening when the guys, the players, go home to their apartments and their wives or their girlfriends or both? Mm-hmm. That's what's interesting. The plays I can watch, you know, at eleven o'clock at night. Right. Flip over to two one two to watch you guys. There and, you go. And have it analyzed by real serious analysts and stars. So. I'm interested in the other stuff. So then the NFL films, the the, the mics the, yeah. that are on the coaches and players, yeah. that's the sort of stuff you're... And that was one of the first places to show there was a whole other game. This is the NFL films, yeah. the Sables. Yeah, and I, I've been there and met with them. You, you, met, you met with the Sables at, yeah. well, at NFL Steve. films? With Steve, yeah. back in the day. What was that like? About just a few years ago, because I was developing an NFL project, actually, that didn't get made, so... Yeah, I, was, I got another quite Well, I know you're, you know, well, you're, you're involved in one right now. That I know for a fact. I mean, are you? Are, I'm just are, are a hired gun on you're, that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, please, we're all hired guns in some way, shape, or form. But are you? Are you do you want to talk about no. that? No. Okay. I, I developed one about a franchise in L.A. Okay. The new franchise. The new franchise with NFL blessing. Back when uh, Roger Goodell was number two to Tagliabue. Right. And uh, the producer was Christina Lurie, who co-owns. Who and her husband Eagles. owns the Philadelphia Eagles. And they, they just won an Oscar for uh, a documentary a couple of years ago, too. Yeah, so, and Jeff and Christine Lurie used to be in the movie business mm-hmm. uh, before they bought the, the Philadelphia franchise and really reinvented it. And um, and I knew them, and we did a thing called the franchise. It's kind of West Wing in the NFL was the idea. Right. What What is the game you don't see on Sunday? And that's what you're, that's what you're trying to and bring to we the... Put, and we brought it, and we had it at Showtime, and... Um, there was a lot of nervousness, not at Showtime, but at CBS, honestly, mm-hmm. that if we got into too many touchy subjects that um, 
the owners would get. Yeah, this may have been right around when the Playmakers was, was going right on, after on ESPN, and yeah. there's a lot of partners of the NFL that were touchy yeah. in, in that respect. But, you know, I mean, there there are some aspects of the NFL life that I, movies like North Dallas 40 or even in the football mentality of things, you saw it in, uh, for the lack of a better phrase, The Longest Yard yep. back in the, the first one I'm talking about, not the, not the Sandler vehicle, even though that's what Michael Irvin was in. And is is there something about football that you you think it's it's tough to make a film like the one that you're talking about as no, compared I, to other sports I or think baseball it, or anything ba- like that? I think football's a little easier because on film, it's, you know, war. It's one team's going left and one team's going right. And so you don't have to explain it uh, Baseball's trickier, golf's the trickiest of all. And uh, um, but but fo- I think football lends itself to, to movies. And I got to say, the NFL was great. They they were not the problem. They just said treat every subject honesty, honestly, and uh, and don't take any cheap shots. Which playmakers did it was nothing but cheap shots, and, <laughs> uh, and yeah. not even believable. But right. um, so uh, actually, the partnership with the NFL was great. It, it was. Broadcast network nervousness that uh, no, that'll happen. Yeah. That that'll happen. So, um, what is your favorite sports movie of all time? Let's go there. What, what, what I think I think the Hustler. Love that. I think I just keep and, going back to the Hustler. You, and why? I mean, would you consider that a sports movie or? Well, if it's a sports movie, it's the Hustler. <laughs> right. Right. I I just you know re rewatching that recently. Great great actors, great director, great editor. And you know you got George C. Scott and Jackie Gleason and Paul Newman. Can't beat that. Gathered around a pool table. The writing is fabulous, and it's really about competition. What drives us and uh, what what kills us. Right. And so, what in your estimation, other than just the realness and bringing the stuff from the huddle, and what makes a great sports movie? And so it's what makes a good a good movie. Period. You care about the people. You care about the villains. You care about the heroes. They're all flawed. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, it's not a cheap melodrama, really. I mean, it's kind of earned, it's honest melodrama. Right. And uh, uh, I think in any movie, you got to care. You know, an action movie only works for me if I care about the person, you know, in the rocket ship about to explode. If I don't care, I, I'm not engaged. And I think that's what separates movies that last. You know, I mean, in 10 Cup McAvoy, hopefully you're invested with him when he gets to seven, 70 second hole of the open. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what's going to happen, but you care about him and his caddy and his girlfriend. Well, and it's not just a girlfriend either, too. And the women in your movies, I want to hit on that, too. As you mentioned, Susan Sarandon, you've got uh, Tin Cup, obviously White Man Can't Jump as well. These films have some strong female leads. They're not just like the the arm candy that you see maybe sometimes out of the side of the locker room every now and then. Why? It's clearly, and I know I've spoken to you about this as well, it's a conscious decision on your part. Why do you, why do, you do that in your films? Well, I think the, you know, the men, men and women have different views of the universe, as we know. <laughs> uh, yes. And it's way more interesting when both of those exist in the same room, in the same movie, and in the same frame. And I think I, I'm offended by uh, women characters who are there to serve the male character. That's not how my life works. Um, That's correct. Um, and it's a lot more interesting, a lot more dramatic when it's strong voices <laughs> mm-hmm. in conflict or in concert. And um, in fact, the conscious decision to have Bull Durham told through a woman's eyes is is the only reason that movie is successful. <laughs> when did you have that decision in your process? Well, often when I'm trying to figure out how to attack a subject, I have two different movies that I end up putting together. In other words, I always want to do a 
movie from uh, a woman's point of view, and I always wanted to do a, a baseball movie from the player's point of view. And when I decided, what if that was the same movie, it wrote itself. You know, I wanted to do a basketball movie. I wanted a, mo- a movie about the streets and the kind of the democracy of the playground and racial attitudes. And when I realized that, you know, a white basketball hustler on a black playground, all of those ideas came together in one. And then a black hustler and a white hustler team up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's really two different ideas put together. Um, Tin Cup's about a man who was, uh, who, who, whose flaw was basically he was afraid of winning. More, more guys are afraid of winning than afraid of losing. And so he'd invented himself as this big fish in this tiniest of ponds and the driving range in mm-hmm. West Texas. And uh, so your, your themes can come together and, and, and writing a narrative is much simpler when there's things in conflict. Right. And how, how did Bull Durham come together in terms of casting the, well, the main three of that film? It was the movie nobody wanted to make. I mean, why I, I never get discouraged when it gets hard to get a movie off the ground because... Most of them are hard to get off the ground. Why didn't anybody want to make this, do you think? First-time director, me. Baseball, considered absolute death zone. Why? Why do you think baseball? I mean, some of those... There's no foreign sales on it. Big, there you go. And right. I can't get a baseball one off since. <clears throat> Excuse me, just because no foreign. No, uh, probably European, obviously. You know. Well, no, Japan doesn't pre-buy. They don't play it in Asia. Mm-hmm. They don't play it in UK. And people say Latin America. They don't play baseball in Latin America. They play it in the Caribbean, which is about as big as San Bernardino. <laughs> I mean, in terms of in, in terms of theatrical, they sure. play it in Venezuela, not exactly a market, right? And Colombia, and Mexico. Mexico is part of the North American sales market, so it has no foreign. Right. So then, how did it get made? It was one of those miracles. I got Kevin Costner attached, and uh, how'd you get Kevin Costner attached? I sent him the script. <laughs> it's that simple. And his he and he wasn't yet Kevin Costner. But he was becoming Kevin Costner. Where, what, I'm just trying to think. It is, has un, had Untouchables hit? Untouchables yet? came out after I got him. I had him for 30 days. I had 30 days to get the movie off the ground. Right. And Untouchables and No Way Out came out in that 30 days. And boom. And we made it five weeks later. If I did, if they didn't come out, I don't make the movie ever. So without No Way Out. Well, no Way Out came and, the morning, right. the 30th day that he had. To, I had him on op, kind of on handshake option right otherwise he was going to go do a picture at warner brothers called everybody's all american kind of the billy cannon story right sure uh-huh that dennis quaid played and he was going to go do that and he wanted to do mine for less money and on the 30th day orion pictures had the script because i'd sent it to him the night before out of new york and they opened up the new york times and the new york times loved no way out and we were greenlit by three o'clock that afternoon but those are the good old days. Right? Those are the good old days yeah. without the internet, too. And right? we, f- five weeks later, we shot. And, and I mean, five weeks, it takes five weeks to, for somebody to go down the hallway and, and not make a decision in the town now. Right. Huh. We're shooting. And how did Susan Sarandon get attached? <clears throat> well, Susan, a story I've told many times about Susan, she was not on the approved list. She, she just turned 40 or 41, and she had fallen off, and we had to cast from a, from a list. 12 actresses or something. Mm-hmm. And all the actresses were great that came in and read. Everybody was great. And Susan's agent kept calling saying she wants to come in and read for it. And I couldn't say she's not on the list because then the studio would fire me for giving away mm-hmm. studio secrets. Mm-hmm. So now I haven't even directed yet and I'm lying like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's how the business works. So she flew on her own dime from Italy where she was living 
with her two-year-old daughter. Who's now to, in the movies herself uh, right now. Yeah, Ava, uh-huh. Ava, and she flew all the way to um, Burbank. It was it, the old Columbia lot. And um, got off the plane, fixed herself up, and she fixes up very well, thank yes, you. Yes, she And does. Uh, she came in and just knocked us out. She had this red and white striped dress. I've told this story many times. Kind of a tube dress thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it was... <laughs> So she she comes in and I had Kevin there and she just kind of pushed us both around the room and we loved it. She was like, I mean, this was a strong That's woman, but she wasn't approved and we couldn't tell her. And we're sitting around, it was a Friday evening, you know, pouring a couple of scotches, wondering what do we do? And the studio called two hours after she was in our office, right, getting off the plane and said, the head of the studio said, hey, I, I saw Susan the other day. Well, we know that was a lie because she was in Italy yeah. till five hours ago. <laughs> so now everybody's lying. <laughs> and she looks great. Let's put her on the list. Why don't you go audition her? We just had. We just didn't tell anybody. So we hired her the next day. What happened was Susan had gone from the audition straight to the studio and pushed over every door in the hallway until she got to Mike Metavoy. I can say his name. It's an old story. Sure. We're friends. And she went and said, hi, Mike. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. I just was wrong room. Sorry. Well, she looked like a million bucks. Mike called me. She was hired. Done. It was the, it was the tube top dress. Yeah, the tube, it was the red and white. Dress. Tube dress. And nice. everything that filled it, including else. her yes. wonderful, uh, I mean, She's fabulous awesome. actress. And um, she became Annie Savoy. And, and for a first-time director, she was great because she just basically told them all, Ron, I've worked with everybody. Ron really knows what he's doing, so just shut up and listen to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that solved my problem. Right. And then, so what? Have, subsequently, did you ask her why she was so, why she flew to Italy, why she wanted this so badly? Well, every woman thought it. that I wrote their story. I don't know why, but they did. They thought. <laughs> well, it's because uh, you, was... you, you know the female mind, Ron. <laughs> no, I don't. No, 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 no. I just, <laughs> I just uh, uh, shamelessly share that I don't know. I just love them. Right. I don't understand anything about women. I just like them a lot. <laughs> Anybody who says they do is lying. Right. Well, we've already established everybody's lying in this yeah. town, anybody, <laughs> well, for about are. 25, 30 years at least. Yeah. You've been involved with it for sure. And so she just, she thought. I have to have this. Uh-huh. I have, if I get in the room, I will dare them to not hire me. And she, I mean, she was perfect for it. She who, was great. Who she else was, was? Who else was the studio looking at? Who else did the studio think? Um, that, that, well, at the she... time, Kim Basinger was very hot, right? Um, and I think she was on their list. I can't. I can't remember. I, I, what Susan did, though, is what I tell actors to do when they audition, or I tell people when they're trying to get a job, or when I'm directing, or you know, we're involved in some things. You go in a room and you change the molecules. That's your job, right? You know, it's like certain quarterbacks in a huddle mm-hmm. or you you go in that room and, and basically without saying, say, I dare you not to give me the job. I dare you. And um, that's what she did. And that's what I do and what I coach. You know, you don't go in there and ask. You go in there and say, I'm, the search is over. I'm here. I'm here. I just made your life easier. Well, and she sure did. And she and, did. And she crushed it. Yeah. And Tim Robbins, how was he uh, involved? He was in very hard to, ca- to, uh, to, to cast because... Um, I wanted somebody who wasn't a junior version of Kevin, because why would the woman choose the junior version of Kevin versus the senior version of Kevin? Sure. So I wanted somebody who physically and in every other way was from a different <laughs> mold. And um, he came in as a huge sports fan, and he had his Mets uniform on practically, and he's from New York, right. Tim. Right. And um, he had a goofy quality that I hadn't seen before, and he was big. 
And, you know, he wasn't a left-hander, but he might as well have been. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> His had that brain was a left-hander. Sure, right. Uh-huh. And, um, and he had this boyish look and quality. And I, when I put him and Kevin together, I thought, that's great chemistry because neither of them can do what the other does. Right. And that's what you're looking for and in the dynamic for. Of, of, your, of your film. And how did you come up with the name Nuke Lelouch? How did you come up with that one? Well, I was uh, driving around the Carolina League before I'd written the script. My first marriage was crashing. I was living in an apartment. and So I went back and rented a car and drove all over the leagues and stayed in cheap motels. And I wanted to see if baseball had changed since I played it. Right. I knew in the major leagues it had changed. Big money had come in and ballplayers had become less approachable in the big league level. And they all had you know entourages. And But in the minor leagues, nothing had changed. Um, at all. You still, guys were sending notes to girls and you could lean over and talk to them and they're all worried about getting released and their statistics were driving them and what chick they'd find that night. And the, all, It was the same. Nothing had ever changed in the minors. So, and it was completely unromantic. I mean, in, in I mean, in, in glamorous. It was romantic. It wasn't glamorous. Sure, of course. And I was at, a, at the Radisson Hotel because it was the only place you could get a salad in South Carolina. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, the waiter came up and he said, uh, good evening, sir. My name, my name is Ebby Calvin LaRouche, but you can call me Nuke. And I'm writing on the cocktail napkin as quick as I can. <laughs> and he says, um, I said, Nuke, Nuke, that's interesting. How do you spell it? And he thought, he said, you know, nobody's ever asked me before. <laughs> and I, so I said, no, it's N-U-K-E because it's mm-hmm. obviously short for nuclear. Right. As opposed to short for Don Nukem. Right. And, sure. Right. And, and I said, um, uh, and I changed it to LaLouche just because of Lyndon LaRouche, the odd political character. Right. I didn't want it to be. So Ebby Calvin Nuke LaLouche was born. And, and I, have not, I keep waiting for that guy to call me. He <laughs> stole my name. <laughs> he stole my name. <laughs> Nickname and everything. That's fantastic. And um, did, you ever, um, did you ever play football yourself? No. Basketball and baseball. Just basketball and baseball. I was very small in high school. All right. Until my senior year. And then, I mean, I played, I was sort of the spark plug guard and shortstop. And then all of a sudden right. I became right. 6 one, 180 like in him, six months. And growing up in Montecito, who, who was your team, though, for the, well, for the, is it the Rams? LA Rams. LA Rams. We, would dri- we would drive to Coliseum all the time. And I went to Santa Barbara High School, the great, great public school mm-hmm. that is, has a football Sports, a very strong sports school, and it dominated high school football in those days. I mean, we had, uh, you know, I mean, Sam Cunningham, Randall Cunningham, Santa Barbara High School. No kidding. Um, we had Eddie Matthews, was a football star before he was a baseball, baseball star. Baseball star, right. Um, you know, uh, so you went uh, to the Jamal college. Wilkes. I mean, it just, uh, Al Guyberg, it's just, it's been a great school academically as well as from sports, and I was too small for football. And so you would go down to the Coliseum oh, and Bob you- Waterfield. All those teams, uh, Norm Van Brocklin, uh, as I was telling you the other day, L.A. has a bad rap. It was a huge football town, and and it was it was supported the way the Lakers are. I mean, it was where the movie stars came. And yeah, I mean, I interviewed uh, Jackie Slater and and uh, Jack Youngblood together at last year's Hall of Fame. It was a career highlight for me talking to those two guys, and they were the, just the way they described what it was like playing football in the Los Angeles area, late 60s, early yeah. 70s. Uh, Don Rickles was on the team playing cracking jokes and 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 what it was like walking around this town. It was court, like courtside a Laker game. Was, was It was the Rams. 
And I mean, Bob Waterfield married Jane Russell. <laughs> right. Uh, um, and it was really, as you know, what I think Carol Rosenblum destroyed him when he moved him to Anaheim. It, it was, it was the city got robbed and that's why it's been wary ever since. And what do you think football in Los Angeles would look like now? I Huge. Mean, it would explode. Don't you think though? It would explode in LA. I think just so don't too. put it in Irwindale or wherever it is. Irwindale. Well, I, well, that was that was uh, Carson. That put was, it downtown. Yeah, well, Irwindale was initially, I believe, uh, Al Davis's idea years yeah. and years and years ago. And now Carson's being mentioned. There's a downtown. There's yeah, a Carson's nice... on a toxic dump. Put it downtown. <laughs> well, they're trying to figure it out right yeah. now, you know. And then a lot of people though are like, ah, there's so much to do on a Sunday. It's so and, wrong. I, mean, I think it would be huge, wouldn't it? You get you can get practically fill the Coliseum and the Rose Bowl on those rare days that SC and UCLA are in town. Right. You've got, I mean, the Lakers and the, are you kidding me? Pro football? Plus pro football is bigger than it was when the Rams left. I mean, because of you guys. Right. Right. It is bigger. It is. There's, and, the, and the Coliseum no in those days sets, it was 103,000. Right. So there could be 85,000. They go, look at all the empty seats. Yeah. It's got 40,000 more than anybody else. I mean, you build a 60 or 70,000 seat or whatever that number, magic number right. is. Right, a little low seven. Are you kidding Maybe me? Little, it could be expanded if there's a Super Bowl that comes in, which it definitely would yeah. if they build it here. It would be part of a, 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 like every four years. It'd yeah. be like the presidential It'd be election. Huge. I think so too. I, yeah. I really do. Um, and um, do you think a team that comes here would need a star coach, or do you need th- this town? Does this town need to be grabbed by the lapels? This town needs star coaches. Don't you think? It's a star coach town. You got to have Tommy Lasorda. Phil Jackson. Sure. You got to. Right. Um, I mean, good, really good coaches and managers here Mm -hmm. got shuffled off and did great. Right. Just because they weren't a star. Right. So if, if, um, as we've already established that the, how you view sports movies and how they should be, somebody comes to you, Ron Shelton says, we want you to write and direct the Tim Tebow story. How would that go in your mind? It's just not over yet. That's, it's too soon. That's but people but are already I'm, people are. I find it interesting. A, I grew up as an evangelical Baptist, mm-hmm. you know, with lefty politics. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm like I, there's, I'm a group of one out there, so I don't know what to say. But also conservative politics. I mean, so I don't have a group. Mm-hmm. I don't have a peer group. Um, so I like Tebow. I like Tebow. I'm not bothered by his thing. Mm-hmm. I like that he's tough. I like that he's tough, and he's got this far. And everybody talks about he can't pass, and somehow he he's a winner. He is a winner, and and I like that because there's guys that can, can pass that aren't winners. I don't know how you, he fits into the Jets. I don't know how he fits into a system that has. I mean, because he seems like he's a a backup for a running quarterback team, not a. Yeah, I mean that that that's the whole issue is how he fits in and what's going to happen. But a lot of people think that what he's what he is. Um, in front of the the world, that there's got to be something dark, you know. There's got to be something. Well, it doesn't have to be dark. Mind. I just I you wish you have something. some fun out there. And you know, chase, I mean, the, just... chase the skirt and get drunk. <laughs> I mean, come on, Tim. It's okay. <laughs> God forgives you. I've read the scriptures. You... <laughs> That's what people are wondering. Like it's, but he's not. I mean, I've seen him out at uh, in the party circuit. He's sipping water. I mean, it's the he's that's that's yeah. him. That's him. But a lot of people are wondering, you know, like the omnipotent Oz, but pull back the curtain and it's somebody. Well, he he, he has to be what he says he is or else, I mean, because everybody's looking, everybody's got a camera and an iPhone. I mean, right. he can't get away with anything. So 
I, I would be happy if he loosened up a little bit. Do you think so? But I just like that he's tough. Right. Because he, he is definitely that. I mean, he, he can hit you. He's huge. I know. He's a big, he big knocks dude. linebackers over. So do you have a team now? In the well, NFL? yeah, I have two teams. I, because of my friendship with the Lurries, I've always pulled, and I saw how I liked the operation of Eagles were very, very well-run team. They stuck with their coach through thick and t- I like those values. Um and uh, so I, I I follow them, the Eagles, and, and uh, I've had a, a second home in New Orleans for twenty years. So I've been a Saints uh, fan, and I'm I'm hurting right now with yeah, the Saints because I'm sure I, you are. I saw what that town up close and personal did to the what that team did for the town, and uh, I you know I don't think just because your ox gets gored you can look the other way. I think it's ugly. Well, I, that that that's my question for you: is how do you think it's going to affect the team, though? Because their their coach is gone for a year, and their first interim coach is gone for the first six months, for six weeks, and creating. I don't know if you've ever come across this in in your days. I, I've never heard in any sports the interim to the interim title. I've never heard of an, an interim to the interim head coach in any no. sport. I've never heard no, of it either. That's... So now that you got that, and now Breeze, uh, Breeze unsigned, heading into training camp, one hundred percent, that's going to happen, you know. And now, as you couldn't have more of the uh, extraordinary circumstances with the Saints. Do you think that they're still going to rise above it? I think they they could win nine or ten games and, and be a nine or ten win team that gets in. It's mm-hmm. going to be one of those things. Mm-hmm. I think it's just too much disarray. I, I think Breeze, he signs, they all pull together, they rally around him. It's a system that's in place rather than a personality. But personalities matter. I mean, you know, Belichick matters. <laughs> Bill Walsh mattered, mm-hmm. although his system did live beyond him. But, no question uh, about um, that. I think the interim, interim thing is problematic. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least, right? You know, interim to the interim. I've never heard of anything like that in my entire yeah. days. I, I hope they pull it off just because the city loves them and needs them. And... The, the city uh, definitely is, um, they're, they're intertwined. Yeah. I mean, Sean Payton too. Do you think in any way, shape, or form they got a raw deal? The no. Saints? No. No, you have to throw the book. This is, I was, that it went on in some little unofficial way here and there throughout the league it wouldn't have shocked me, but it was institutionalized mm-hmm. and it was condoned. There's no doubt in my mind, but yeah. the Players Association obviously will think differently. Um, in in your mind, um, uh, the television, sports television business, you you got um, exposed to it with Tim Tin Cup, right? You you yeah. went into trucks. You were hanging with the CBS, CBS crew, yeah, golf crew. Did you glean anything about sports television uh, from that from that process? Oh, I loved it. I, I loved it. I, I mean, I the legendary and late great Frank Tricanian, who really invented, made golf work on TV. Right. Uh, um, and uh, having shot a golf movie, um, it's not easy to make golf work. And you go to golf tournaments, there's 150 guys on 150 acres doing exactly the same thing, and every five iron swing looks the same. It does. And you don't know... Who's ahead or behind? That's all invented in a truck. And and uh, going on these tournaments uh, with the crew and seeing how they invent the drama and how Tricanian or now Lance Barrow takes 100 images and tells a story spontaneously, I fell in love with those guys. And I thought what they do is, is so difficult. What you do, what my friend Jim Nance does, what my friend Jim Lampley does, 
nobody hears what's going into your ear. Right. <laughs> and there's people yelling and screaming and there's countdowns and there's this and that and there's a breaking, you gotta go to that. And but you were just sitting there interpreting it and telling a story for the audience who doesn't want to know what's going on. Here. Right. And well, it, it, I, I fell in love with it. it yeah, I, I now uh, have a problem if I don't hear the truck or if I don't hear the count, you know, if yeah. they're counting me down. If I don't hear it now, I'm like, where, where is it? You know, it's, I'm, I'm now completely inured to that sort of thing. Plus, when you're, on, when, when you're in the CBS guys and, and they give you a headset, you get to hear what David Faraday's really saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a movie. That's a movie. That guy yeah. is, they broke the mold. Oh, he's a brilliant guy, and uh, I know him and actually have the rights to his book, A Nasty Bit of Rough, if I can ever get a um, get a little break in my schedule. Or yeah. And can can we talk a little bit about what you're working on right now? Because I, 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 I want to definitely hit uh, the Bull Durham, the next iteration of Bull Durham. Correct? Is yeah. that that's going on right now? I'd well, love we're for... working on it. Well, please, you're 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 bringing this potentially to. Broadway. Well, we've been developing a, a with some very top flight Broadway producers of musical Bull Durham for the last couple of years, and uh, and when I get off of, when the podcast's over, I'll run back to my office because I okay. owe a rewrite of Scene Seven Act Two. <laughs> um, um, well, I appreciate you putting a... <laughs> Scene Seven Act Two on hold for for this. Chat. Anything for you, Rich, and Excellent. I and it's a it's um. It's a wonderfully slow process, but it's coming to the final stages where the, a director will be attached. A Broadway musical yeah. version of Bull Durham. How great is it's, that? It, I'm having a blast. I, we'll see what they say on opening night. Well, uh, so you're writing the book? I wrote the book, and a late lady named Susan Werner wrote the, the, did all the songs and right. continues to rewrite them. And then we have a wonderful producer, Jack Brutel. I mean, they know what they're doing. I'm just yeah. Because well, how different is this is this uh, endeavor? How different is this? Ch- I assume it's a challenge to write. Uh, well, is this I, your first I, I'm, oh, yes, I'm in good hands because the producer is so experienced, and he can talk about the structure of a book versus the structure. You know, um, I teach writing of screenplay structures and how all the ways you put them together, and so it's figuring out the difference, and then yeah, it's been fun. So, so there's like a uh, when when there's a meeting at the at the mound and they're talking about what to get somebody for their wedding or their engagement. That's, it breaks into song. Is see, that essentially what that it's like? that it, you've just uh, nailed scene one act two, which is the only scene. <laughs> there's the only scene without a uh, right now. It's a, it's a big argument and not a song scene. But uh, mm-hmm. in general, yes, they break into song somewhere away, and you have to earn it, and it has to move the story along and. Uh, as I said, I'm in really good hands. I, you know, I flew back to New York a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when when I got the call. Would I like to do this? And I said yes. I'd said no for years, and I said yes. The time was right. I liked the people, and I said I have to write the book though. And I was thinking because then I have ownership. And sure. And then I realized I was heading to the airport. I'd, I'd never even I didn't know what a book looked like. <laughs> so I swung by, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the books. Uh, Samuel French Bookstore, which is all the theatrical books, and I'm mm-hmm. calling on my friends in theater, saying, "What should I read?" So I'm reading on the plane to New York just to figure out. I didn't even know how you look, what it looked like. Right. So, what does it look like? Yeah. I mean, is well, it, it looks like there? a script, but you indent differently. You have <laughs> different margins. It, it's in, it's in, structurally, it, it's very different. The storytelling movies are three acts. A, a Broadway musical is two. Mm-hmm. So that's the rearranging. I've had to invent a new character. And, who can can you get well, into that? Who, yeah, I, I invented a character, character named Hack Arnold, who is the the next blowhard minor league superstar who doesn't turn into Bryce you know, Harper. He's going to blow out in A ball, but uh-huh. he thinks he gets Annie after Newt goes to big leagues. So, 
So that's the new character that you've yeah. created for, for act two of the musical. For act two of the musical Bull Durham. When when might something like this actually well, we are, I, be available probably, to get tickets it to? It probably won't be till you know um, early next year, just because of the f mm -hmm. stages. Direct workshop, one more workshop, director, finance. You know, it's it's a whole to do. I know, but, but I mean, it, it seems fun. I got to tell you, Ron, it seems like a natural evolution it just seems like a natural for lack of a better phrase sequel you know i know it's better than a sequel step, i think you know it's just the next the, that there's another iteration of it and you see so many of these that are on broadway right now right i mean they've made uh, the producers into a musical well, that that's spectacular one of the, that's and, probably the biggest movie to to musical success of sure all time. right and and so it's been done yep and it's and witches is sort of ripe. the witches is the prequel to Wizard of Oz. Right, sure. Um, a lot of them haven't worked, but this one feels like it, it feels like it would. It makes sense. It's got that roadhouse music. And, right. Does it open in Durham first and then make its way? She's this, right now. She right sings now? a song. Yeah, she sings a song opening day. Okay, I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. And is there anything else that we we can? Oh, I've got mention? a couple of features I'm working on and a couple of TV things, as you know. Yes, and, I know. Uh, um, I'm always writing. Yeah, we're, we're, I'll, I'll say because we mentioned it. Uh, my my wife, a, a sideline reporter, she has a uh, many stories, and you you've been part of this project since day one, which was a thrill for me and my wife that you are part of this. You talk about a strong female lead. You've you've met my wife. She's a strong female, <laughs> strong female lead. She's a strong female lead in my life, and and and. I mean, this has just been, it's just been, you know, torturous and exciting all at the same time. We'll get there. We'll get there. No, I know. But it's been great having you part of that mix as well. And, uh, you know, this has been an awesome experience for sure in that respect, you know. And um, with you uh, this this coming season, do, do you think the, uh, the uh, NFL season can get any better in terms of a storytelling aspect you know when you go to week 14 15 season. and 16 into the year and you still have no idea and mm -hmm. you know who's who who's the strongest team and who's getting hot late and it's great because you can get hot late and we talked about this one time who'd have thought four weeks to go the giants are gonna win you you could see you know the patriots get patriots are gonna always have a chance to get there but the giants right and, and i don't know if we will ever see that happen in baseball and football in the same year in the same no. way that the, the St. Louis Cardinals, Cardinals and the Giants had very similar arcs towards yeah. their championships. And um, I don't know if we're going to see that no. anytime soon. But the Giants, you're right. So many people ask me right now, who's going to win the Super Bowl in, in the middle of the summer? And I'm like, if I told you this point last mm. year, the Giants were going to win it, you'd say what? Yeah. You know? Are the 49ers going to repeat? I mean, nobody, they're not going to run the table again, are they? You never know, right? You don't well, they think got so? a crazy coach. But... <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear what he said about the Manning chase? Did you read that? That no. he said that that they they really weren't looking at. It. They were just kicking the tires on Manning. They really weren't interested in Peyton Manning, even though Peyton Manning subsequently said that he called Jim Harbaugh to say, "I'm not coming." That was one of his last calls. So that was an interesting. Why wouldn't plot you be twist. interested in Peyton Manning? Right? I don't know. I mean, there were so many quarterbacks that got thrown under the the Peyton Manning bus yeah. this this off season. I thought it was going to be Denver, honestly. I, I, the, for the same reason I thought Albert Pujols shouldn't change leagues. Mm -hmm. You know, when you know the pitchers or you know the defenses, why do you want to start all over? Right. A learning process. Exactly. But Albert's starting to hit and Peyton is take care of himself. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. I know. Peyton it's, doesn't need me. To, my advice. Exactly right. So uh, do you have a, a Super Bowl pick, even though I just said that that's sort of silly to even um, suggest? It would be okay. silly not to even ask you for that. All right. I'm going to 
yeah, this is this has to do if I had to put my own money on it, not Bingo. who am I rooting for? Of course. Okay, I'm going to say Philadelphia. You think the Eagles can actually do it? Well, that? they gave away so many games early last year. They sure did. And they played so good late that, you know, if Vic stays healthy, that's the biggest if in the world. It usually does translate uh, finish one season. But they, I mean, they, the next. those, that horrible start, they, they remember how many fourth quarter games they were losing? Mm-hmm. Game after game. And then when they got a roll going, Nobody wanted to play. That's right. Well, they, they were playing with house money at that point in time, if you want to continue yep. the, the money yep. analogy right there. So and that's my pick. Do so you like the Eagles to win it all at that point? Why not? Why not? Okay. I, 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 I so like Tom Brady that it's hard. And mm-hmm. now he's a member of my golf club. That uh, <sighs> uh, And have you have you played? I haven't Tom? played with him. I've met him a few times. But uh, he he's just, quite something, I want he? him to have another another one under his belt just because he's that good. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I interview him, I try to, you know, I try to, how do I put, I try to look my best. <laughs> okay. You know, and, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that because I just know it's, it's, it is in the history of my career, the 16 years that I've been doing it, the toughest two shot for it's me. It's a tough two shot. I have not had a tougher two yeah. shot. You know, I, I came dressed, I thought <laughs> I looked great. And then he comes in, boom, head to toe Zenya, sits down. Yeah. I look like, you know, yeah. Quincy, you know, <laughs> a lot of sudden I turn into Jack Klugman on the spot, yeah. you know. It happens to the best, yeah. you know. Hey, Ron, thanks for coming on. This was this was awesome. This hey. really was great. Um, uh, as I've told you many times before, and I'll say it here, I don't care. I'm a huge fan of yours, and I just love uh, knowing you. We'll do it again. Thank you. That's Ron Shelton here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. There he is, Ron Shelton, everybody. How about that story about um, Susan Sarandon, casting Susan Sarandon? Yeah, not even on the list. The red tube dress. She must have looked fantastic in that. We saw her at the uh, at the premiere of, of That's, That's My, my boy. boy. She was walking down the, the red carpet. She she's didn't stick that. around. She is in That's My Boy. She's in That's My Boy. Oh, did you guys did you guys go to that? Did you guys go to that? Yeah, we went to that. Uh, oh, we went to that. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Hung with the Andrews sisters. Oh, yeah. How Aaron, was that party? Aaron and Kendra. That Good wasn't one. bad at all. That was yeah. Good. Fun times. Yeah. Happy anniversary That's to my right. wife. I got, I got a new follower on Twitter out of that. Kendra? No. Or Aaron? Aaron Andrews. She didn't follow me, Rich. Come on. <laughs> well, that's because you. She retweeted me twice. That's because. Well, that's because you offended, insulted, and ultimately frightened her. Oh man! <laughs> I think I intimidated her. Is what I did. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I think it was the other way around. <laughs> that's it. Brockman, I wish you were there just to see how tongue-tied he got with Aaron Andrews. That been Please, you were. Oh, this is great. turning into a, like an f- old fish story now. No, it's not. No, it's not. This is, this it's accurate. Is... The fish is just as big as it was <laughs> yeah, absolutely. two weeks ago when it happened. <laughs> oh, but man. the Susan Sarandon story that she wasn't on the list, what, I hadn't heard that anywhere. And how great is the Bull Durham musical going to be? Bull Durham musical on Broadway. That'll be funny as all get out. That'll be perfect. Um, on the next edition of the podcast, Writer's Week, Jack Burdett, who is the uh, the man behind Thirty Rock with the woman, you know Tina Fey? Obviously, it's right. her show. Um, but uh, he's he's been uh, pretty much on that show almost every year. Left to do some other projects himself, but that's coming up this week. Thanks, guys. Excellent. All, All right, right Rich. that's it for this show. Hope you enjoyed listening to Ron Shelton on the Rich Eisen podcast. Stay listening, friends.